Welcome to the GCSAA podcast, live from the 2020 Golf Industry Show in Orlando, Florida, presented in partnership with Bayer Environmental Science. Now, here's your host, Scott Hollister. Well, welcome to the GCM booth at the 2020 Golf Industry Show in Orlando, Florida. I'm Editor-in-Chief Scott Hollister, and this is another live episode of the GCSA podcast that we're recording here and posting live um, during the week of, of GIS. We're in the last afternoon. Hope it's been a great week for everybody. Um, uh, thankful so many people have stopped by the booth to see us, and also thankful that uh, our guest today has been able to stop by. Um, someone I've known for a little while prior to uh, one of a a major championship he hosted that we will talk about a little bit, uh, but it is uh, happy to have and welcome to the GCM booth and the GCSA podcast, uh, Mr. Jeff Corcoran. Jeff is the golf course uh, director of golf course and grounds at Oak Hill Country Club uh, near Rochester, uh, New York, uh, a part of that club which we will talk a little bit about for a long, long time. So, Jeff, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me today. Yes, yeah, Scott, thanks for having me. I really appreciate being here. Uh, we're here, GIS. Uh, how uh, is GIS a regular part of, of, of your your winter agenda? Yeah, without question. I've been coming to the golf industry show for God since the late '90s. It uh, it's it's definitely a staple and uh, something that's on our calendar every year. I I wouldn't miss it. Well, what sort of what sort? Of, I know it probably changes a little bit from year to year, depending on maybe if you have equipment needs or you're looking for something particular from a product standpoint. But uh, what what are your what are what are the biggest things that you take away from experiences like that? Is it the education? Is it is it the networking? Is it a combination of all that stuff? Yeah, it's really a combination of all that stuff. Sometimes capital projects that we have going on at the club drive what our agenda is while we're here. Uh, networking, honestly. Uh, getting back in touch with uh, people that I know in the industry, my old assistants, you know, like last night, uh, we had what, what we call our alumni dinner. We had all the old assistants that moved on to become superintendents. And uh, honestly, that's one of my favorite days of the year. It always occurs while we're here at GIS and we talk about a myriad of different things. We have a lot of good laughs, but um, you know, also to getting everybody under one roof where I can talk to manufacturer representatives that I might not get a chance or opportunity to see during the course of a year. Um, so it, uh, it serves multi-facets for us as far as what uh, we do. And, you know, when we get back from GIS, we're always geared towards, you know, that's kind of like the kickoff, you know what I mean? We know we got February, maybe part of March, and then it's our season's... Uh, it, it's always a mark on the calendar that that's when everything starts. Right. How many did you have at that dinner last night? I think we had 13 last wow. night. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about this a little bit. I, I, I know that that, uh, that mentoring and developing mm -hmm. yeah. people in the industry was a big part of why you got to where you got, uh, you have gotten to in your career, and I know that uh, it's important to you for the assistance. Um, we wrote about that uh, several years ago in advance, in advance of the PGA. But um, let, let's talk just briefly uh, kind of talk about your career, how you got into this business. You and I have had this conversation pr previously, but... Um, how did, how did you, uh, career in golf, how did that come to interest you and how did you get into this crazy yeah, business? Yeah, when I was really young, we, I, just, I used to play a whole bunch of golf. You know what I mean? My, my dad used to drop me off at the golf course on the way to work. My mom would pick me up on the golf course on the way back. And, and my brother had worked on a golf course. He was an super, assistant superintendent at the time. And uh, at the small municipal golf course that I used to play a lot of golf on, um, they had a junior membership. 
but if I started working on the golf course, I could play all the golf I wanted to. Right. And I was like, all right, this is, this is for me. So I started working on a golf course, and after like the first year, I asked my brother, and I was only like 14 years old, I was like, can you go to school for this? You know what I mean? He started talking to me, and one thing led to another, and uh, when I got out of high school, you know, I, um, my dad sat me down, and I wanted to go to Penn State, He's like, hey, listen, how about go to a two-year school first and right. then go to Penn State just to save a little bit of money. And I was right. against that, but it ended up working out real well. I went to SUNY Cobleskill right. and um, spent two years there, and then I went to Penn State. So from there, you know, uh, I worked at, uh, which was close to my house, I worked at uh, Cornell University Golf Course. Right, right. And when I was at SUNY Cobleskill, there was a, uh, person that was in charge of the turf department there. His name is Bob Emmons. I think he was a Distinguished Service Award member in the past. Absolutely, yes. Uh, a lot of really good golf course superintendents had, had been through Bob's program. He turned out a lot of really good superintendents, and he was just an amazing person. And I was at the Cornell University Field Trials, and he said, hey, Jeff, he goes, I think that you should do something else next summer. And I wasn't even in his program anymore, and he sought me out and yeah. asked me. And uh, hooked me up with a superintendent. His name was Joe Hahn, who was at Oak Hill Country Club. And Joe, just a wonderful man, gave me an internship, and that was at Oak Hill Country Club, and that was in the summer of 1994. And while I was at Oak Hill, um, I had one more year at Penn State, and I wanted to come back because in 1995 they had a Ryder Cup. Right, that's you know, So how could I pass up that opportunity? I, absolutely. And then I stayed down there full-time, and I worked for three superintendents uh, as an assistant there, Joe Hahn, John Gasper, and then Paul Latchaw. And Paul Latchaw was really a, uh, a turning point in my career from a mentorship. Joe was great to me, treated me awesome, love him to this day. But Paul, uh, I, I would say, kind of took my acumen to a different level. Right, right. And you, you have been at Oak Hill in some capacity pretty much ever since. I know you took a, you took a few years where you headed over to, to Boston to root for your Red Sox and, yeah. uh, and work, at, work over there. But since you have been aff affiliated with Oak Hill in, pretty much since then, correct? Yeah, you know, I never anticipated coming back to that Rochester area. Once I left the Boston, um, when I was uh, prior to accepting the Oak Hill position, I was applying in Chicago. I was just, you know, I was ready for that next move. We had done a lot at Weston. They treated me great. But it was just time, I thought, to take that next career move. And... Um, Lo and behold, Paul moved to Murfield Village, and uh, I was fortunate enough to, to get the position at Oak Hill Country Club. They called me up and asked me to interview, and I was more than happy to do that. And it was kind of surreal. I never really, really anticipated being back in Rochester and being at Oak Hill Country Club and having the affiliation with that club. But, you know, from 94 to 99 and then 2003 to today, it's kind of, you know, there's a lot of history at Oak Hill. And, um, you know, people ask me, like, why would you still be at Oak Hill Country Club? And, you know, what's kept you there? It's really um, the culture of that club is is that it's never stagnant. There's always something going on. It doesn't matter if there's a, a renovation on one golf course or a renovation on the other or we have a tournament coming up. Uh, and the people that I have there, it's uh, and the membership's an amazing membership with good people, really down-to-earth people. And there's just... There's always a project. There's always a tournament. There's always something that's like, you know, I, I don't know if I'd find that stimulation at, at another club. Right, right. And what I find interesting, interesting is, is maybe nationally, maybe I'm reading too much into this. I, I would say Oak Hill has hosted 
uh, will the will the upcoming PGA be the 13th P, uh, major championship? Yeah, played? to be honest with you, I couldn't even tell you the number. I know they've hosted every men's right. rotating major championship. They have, so and they're the only the only club in the United States to mm-hmm. do that. An unbelievably rich history of major yeah. championship golf, but maybe a little uh, underappreciated. A lot of people don't immediately think of it when they think of the um, uh, the great the great venues. What, from your perspective, someone who's been there for so long, what mm-hmm. makes Oak Hill such a, a special place that, it, that has a really rich history in the history of golf. Yeah, so I don't think it's any one thing. You know, I think that um, the championships at Oak Hill are part of its DNA. It's, it's part of our mantra. It's part of what the club wants to do. They're always looking for that next championship, even after they've signed another one. Um, I think they want to do that for the community, for the golf world, and they feel like they, they have their place. Um, but also, too, you have 36 holes of Donald Ross golf courses that um, um, may be underappreciated. You know, um, we're in the top 25. I guess that's really right. not yeah, underappreciated. Yeah. We hosted every men's major rotating championship. Right. So you might look at it that way. I think that what it is is that we're tucked away in Rochester, New York, yeah. similar to Inverness and Toledo, Ohio, and a myriad of other clubs that are really good venues that might be off the beaten path. You take Elk Hill Country Club and you slap it down to Westchester County, maybe we're talking a little bit differently. But right. it is, uh, yeah, it's a wonderful 350-acre property. And among the, I remember prior to the last BGA that you hosted, uh, you had a, a pretty big project. I went back and was revisiting some of the coverage that GCM provided um, during that time. And one of the big projects you dealt with was uh, was a, a brand new maintenance facility, um, and I, so I reread some of that and I found it super interesting. Just kind of I'm th- throwing you a curveball here from what yeah, we yeah, talked no, about okay. previously, but um, maybe talk. I think people might be interested in what from such a prestigious club, what you were dealing with previous to that, and what you ultimately uh, created in that in that new maintenance was not new new really anymore but and you had a pretty big hand in the and really the design and uh organization so maybe tell folks what you were dealing with to, to start with and then about the new, new yeah, facility so we had a maintenance facility that uh, was in the middle of our championship golf course and the cornerstone i still have the block was from 1952 and we had a staff then of uh you know it was in the 55 neighborhood and break room only seated about 12 we had a tent in the back where guys in rochester you know in october november eating their lunch outside and it was deplorable it was really bad <laughs> and you know i talked to other people that you know like steve rabideau at wink just did a, a maintenance facility renovation yeah. i seen his shop and you know he needed one really badly too right and um but anyways uh we did this uh shop when we started from the ground up we worked with a bunch of members that were contractors and um, we basically designed the shop ourselves, and it got to the point where, you know, we laid it all out with lath and string, because I'm a kind of a spatial person where we could get out and visited a whole bunch of really top-tier maintenance facilities to, um, to steal ideas, for lack of a better term, or, you know, and, and that actually helped us to develop some other ideas. And I think what we ended up with is a extremely functional maintenance facility that's easy to maintain um and it's uh the membership took a lot of pride in it you know a maintenance facility it's there's not a lot of roi on that for them and uh they were really proud of it and uh you know the guys are proud of it they take care of it they maintain it we've been really fortunate in that way but it was a game changer for us from going from a building and that was built in 1952 to having this facility that um 
I don't know if I would call it state-of-the-art, but, I mean, it, it's a really nice maintenance right. facility. I imagine it does wonders for mor team morale. It probably helps in recruitment of labor, uh, all of that stuff. Yeah, and that's where I was going to go. I mean, game-changer from all that stuff. Morale, guys are in the break room, whether it's 90 degrees and it's air conditioning. Uh, the the uh, equipment technicians are working with, in an area with radiant heat and the flooring. But then you bring a when we used to interview and we'd bring people into our facility from 1952, they're like, really? Cork, this is where I'm going to be working? And then, you know, yeah. you go fast forward and, you know, you bring an intern or an AIT that's applying for a job and they're walking around. Or even, you know, since then we've hired equipment technicians and say, hey, this is the 5,000 square foot area that you're going to be working in. I mean, that is, uh, that's a nice advantage to have. Well, switch gears a little bit. Yeah. I, I know that... Um we mentioned this a little bit earlier about the role that mentoring played in your development as, as a superintendent and how it's impacted others that have, wor have worked for you. And you, you mentioned the names of the people that, uh, that mentored you, mm -hmm. Bob Emmons and, and Paul Latshaw. And uh, I know that, that really that mentoring and that development is kind of built into the culture um, of, of Oak Hill. How have you kind of maintained that over the years based on kind of where you started and the impact that you saw mentoring could have on you? You know, um, not trying to draw any parallels, but you know, like when you, the bonds that you form when you work with guys for 80, 100 hours a week, you, you toil with them, you go through tournaments and renovations and projects, is something that's not easily broken. And those guys, a lot of them, you know, worked with me from from the intern stage right up until they're my east-west core superintendent and then saw those guys take a job and be successful. Um, and maybe it's taken me a while to, to, I'm talking like the last six, eight years or whatever, that has really become one of the, the most fulfilling things in my particular position is seeing these guys mature and grow and then leave and become really good at what they do and be successful. and you know, see them come back for the events and, you know, still mentor the guys that are on the staff that they work with, you know, right. via phone calls right. and text messages and they all stay in touch. And to have that group of guys that I get together back with down here at the GSS or GIS yeah. when we talked about that alumni dinner, um, that really has become one of the best nights for me of the whole entire year where we have one opportunity. I talk to those guys individually all the time. But to get them around one table and you, yeah. you, know, you share those stories that you can't repeat in, in this That's particular right. <laughs> room. And uh, that is really probably one of the most fulfilling parts of, uh, of my job. It really is. Yeah. And it's, it's awesome to leave a, a lasting legacy. You've got, uh, I know you have colleagues from your time at Cobleskill. Um, that program pr produced a lot of great superintendents. Really good superintendents. You, I, I know that you keep in touch with those guys. Do you, yeah. are, are do you, do you see that same ethos uh, and dedication to, to mentoring am among, among that crew? Because you have a great, you have a great network of folks you can yeah, share yeah. guys with. And, you know, um, probably the one I keep in touch with the most, and I had some great guys that I worked with at Penn State, too. You know, Eric, Eric Graytock was at Penn yeah. State with me, and, and Ross Myers uh, was at Cobble Skill when I was there. Craig Courier was right. there. And um, we do keep in touch, uh, especially Russ and I, but... You know, it, um, and Eric and I keep in touch really well. It's just, it's different. Same, I think when Bob left Cobleskill, to be yeah. quite frank, is that some of that was, like, not lost, but you know what I mean? Sure. It's, it's definitely it's just, it's just different. It's yeah. just different. Yeah. And uh, 
but still, I mean, all those relationships, even, you know, guys that uh, I see down here and that we network and talk or drink beer or whatever however yeah. you want to call it, it's just, it's a good place for everybody to reconnect again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, it really makes, what makes this industry, industry so special. Yeah, you know, so. you know, like Paul was a mentor, but he was also a really good friend. You know, he was sure. at my wedding. We talked to each other more than I think some weeks I talked to my wife. Sure. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we won't, t- we won't tell yeah, her yeah. that. Um, let's talk about the golf course a little bit. You uh, hosted the Senior PGA Championship last year. The club has really developed a great relationship with the PGA of America. Um, so you hosted the Senior PGA last May. And yep. then after that, you went into a, a pretty significant renovation uh, of your championship course. So maybe just kind of walk through uh, what you did. Uh, um, what were the priorities of that project? Yeah. So the... Um we're working with Andrew Green, who's a golf course architect. He's done some work at Inverness. I know he's doing the work at Congressional right now. So um, Andrew was an integral part of, of that. And essentially what we did is we, um, it's tough to do a short synopsis of it, but we rebuilt all the greens, rebuilt all the bunkers, um, changed a lot of fairway contours. We removed a lot of trees wow. um, significantly over, you know, We've been removing trees at Oak Hill Country Club since Paul Latchaw was there. So, I mean, it's a 20-year process, which sounds crazy, but it was severely overplanted. Um, and also, too, one of the things that Oak Hill has been vilified for over the years is that um, prior to the 1980 PGA, they, they um, changed a little bit of the, of the whole structure right. of Oak Hill Country Club, 5, 6, 15, and in our 18th hole. So we went back and we tried to rectify that as well. So this was a pretty major undertaking for Oak Hill Country Club. It, um, August 6th, we started and we closed the golf course down until May 28th of 2020, and, or 29th of 2020. Uh, Labar Construction came in and did the work. We laid the last piece of sod the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So we, we packed a lot of stuff. We packed five pound, or 10 pounds of stuff in a five pound bag. Wow. Yeah. We, uh, wow. Uh, I can't say enough about the membership and Andrew Green and Labar Construction and the work those guys did. They they hammered it out. Mother Nature cooperate with you throughout that with such a tight tight time frame. That's obviously a big concern. Yeah, Mother Nature and I really do not have a good relationship. <laughs> I won't lie to you. Um, but yeah, we got we lucked out. We had this wonderful weather window where those guys were be able to be productive during the most critical portions of the construction, which was the greens construction, which we really needed to make sure we were done by a certain point. Couldn't have asked for better weather. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's always uh, your, thank you. Thank you. Lucky stars I, on that. I tell you what, I think I cashed in every bit of Irish <laughs> luck I had ever. So uh, PGA in 2023. Yeah. Um, you're sort of, you're kind of in between now uh, the two, those two big events with the senior behind you and the, the PGA uh, uh, on tap. What are you looking to do anything else particular between now and then, or just get the new stuff dialed into where you want it to be yeah, with a well, major I mean, coming up? I mean, up? there, there's going to be some, some little things that we're going to do, but I mean, this project was so all encompassing that I don't want to say there's not a lot left to do. There is, there always is. Um, but we don't have anything major league on the horizon. I mean, we're talking about like maybe some bridge work we've got to do. Yeah. There's, there's a comfort station that might go in at some particular point, but nothing, nothing critical. Really, our gaze now after the East Course really shifts towards the West Course. There's yeah. a lot of tree removal to do on, on our other 18 holes, which is an awesome layout. Right. Um, and we have some work to do there. And then just really kind of dial it in for 2023. I think that the interesting part about that is is that um, is it's a 
April or I'm sorry, a May tournament instead of an August. Right. Tournament. Yeah. And that was that was going to be my natural next question for for you when the when Oak Hill was awarded this particular PGA. Mm-hmm. The PGA was an August event, which is the one that you you hosted back in 2013. Um, and I think the one when people began to talk about the, the switch of uh, the change of dates for the PGA, they, they certainly looked at Rochester and what sort of uh, weather could be expected in, in May. So uh, what what are we looking what, what are we looking at? And have you begun to do you every May kind of look at the calendar and the weather and go, oh, boy. Yeah. So, you know, you, you First of all, with that is you can't necessarily worry about something that you don't that hasn't happened yet, or you don't know what's going to happen. All you can do is prepare for it, right? Correct. But I've had the question so many different times from so many different people, whether it's media members, things of that nature, and um, quite honestly, we just had the Senior PGA Championship. It was roughly the same exactly. week that it's going to be in 2023, and it came off great. And I think that um, you know, Carrie from the uh, from the PGA, Kerry Hag right. uh, was overwhelmingly pleased. I think the players were overwhelmingly pleased, and so we can just kind of carry that forward. You know, I mean, yeah, we might have a cold spring in Rochester, but sure. you know, um, from my standpoint, agronomically, I actually think that that May tournament's actually easier than the yeah. August tournament. I was going to ask. Shot. I was going to ask you because yeah. I mean, there are obviously different pressures and things between that time of year, but that might act, it could play in your favor. I think it's actually a pretty good week. If you had to ask me if I had, you know, to pick the week, I mean, if I had one week more or two weeks more, yeah, I'd probably pull that off and yeah. like that. But by the same token, is is that um, it's a good time of year for. Rochester, New York, as far as playing conditions, you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, we average, you know, like, I think it's 67 degrees. I mean, we saw weather that was in the 70s and almost 80 when we had the Senior PGA Championship this year. So it's a good time of year for us. Um, we're looking forward to it. And I think that, um, I don't know, I think between what Beth Page did and what we did in the Senior P- I, I think a lot of those, I don't hear those questions too much anymore. Right, you know what I mean? Right. I think we kind of put them to bed. Yeah, I think the the obviously that's it's natural mm-hmm. for golf fans to be curious about that and, and and to ask those questions. But I agree. I think Beth Page uh, kind of illustrated that hey, we it can be done, and and that new date opens up just at least for the PGA. I assume it opens up a whole host of uh, of venues for them that they could not necessarily use in August. And you're proving you can do you probably do both. You yeah, can do August and I think and May. that that you know, like I said, it was a great talking point for the media and for different people to, to second guess what we could do at that particular time of year and like you said Beth Page showed the way or paved the way for that we're a little bit further north our weather's a little bit different but we had a tournament the week after them and it really worked out well for us right and lastly you, you, mm-hmm. you did mention Kerry Haig I wanted to uh, to maybe have you comment a little bit on uh, working with uh, mm-hmm. uh, someone in the championship agronomy role obviously the PGA Tour has, has tour agronomists um, Kerry is always uh, at least from my perch, seemed to have been very supportive of superintendents uh, that he works with. What's your relationship uh, with Kerry been like? Yeah, it's been nothing but but fabulous. He's a good guy to work with. And, you know, the PGA of America really doesn't have anybody that's an agronomist per se. You know what I mean? Kerry knows a lot about setup, and uh, he's forgotten more about uh, how to set up hospitality and all that stuff right. than I'll ever know. Right. Um, but he is. He he, he kind of dictates what he's looking for. He doesn't uh, get down into micromanaging what you need to do. Um, he communicates very well, and um, he is extremely supportive of the superintendent industry as a whole and what we try to do. And um, 
I like his approach when there are problems that that uh, creep in because they always do. Doesn't no matter what championship you host. Um, yeah, he's a pleasure to work with. Yeah. You know what I mean? That guy wears. He's probably one of the hardest working people in golf that there is. I mean, he. I mean, he wears a lot of hats. Well, you're right up there too. You're from <laughs> from my knowledge. I'm I'm, I'm super that. looking forward to uh, to uh, 2023 and. Uh, uh, GCM doing some work again with you're a good dude the the, your, the team up there I, I enjoyed my time up there so much in 2013 and uh, have kept in touch with a lot of the a lot of those folks and uh, I appreciate you taking some time uh, to join us uh, here at the GCM booth at the golf industry show 2020 as we wrap up uh, thanks so much Jeff appreciate yeah, it. yeah no it's my pleasure and thanks for inviting me to yeah. be here Folks, this, uh, this podcast will be available later today. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review to the GCSA podcast if you can. Thank you all for coming to the 2020 Golf Industry Show in Orlando, and have a great rest of your week. Go Chiefs. Thank you for listening to the GCSAA podcast live from the 2020 Golf Industry Show in Orlando, Florida, presented in partnership with Bayer Environmental Science. Look for more podcasts coming to you live from GIS 2020 on the GCSAA podcast feed, wherever it is you get your podcasts.